Welcome to another episode of Life is a Journey, Detours Included. I'm Rev. Janice Chrysler, and I invite you to come along with me, as together we hold space with some amazing people who are here to share their stories. Their stories about their own life's journey, and all the detours that led them to where and who they are today. Perhaps by sharing our stories, we can help each other to find the path we need to follow, discover the truth about our purpose, and to believe that we truly are endless possibilities. So make yourself comfortable, and off we go on another adventure, because life is a journey, detours included. Today it is my honor to have Aaron Millick as our guest. Aaron was born and raised in Toronto, Ontario. His own life's journey led him to the Bancroft Center for Awakening Spiritual Growth. Here he found new friends, new knowledge, and a new freeing understandings of life and the world, kindness, compassion, and a peace with God. Everything he has learned and continues to learn has only improved every aspect of his life. As a musician and a singer, it has opened his mind to writing about new positive subjects in his songs. As a public speaker in his jobs of walking tours and MC, he approaches everything with a fun-loving approach and calmness that puts others at ease. Upon successfully completing the ministry courses, he's continuing his education by reading about subjects related to his studies, writing and photography, and has started a new path as a wedding officiant and life celebrant. Keen to help whoever and however he can, Aaron is proud to continue to volunteer and help with this fantastic organization and the great people who make it help happen. So welcome, Aaron. Hey, Janice. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for taking time to join me today and share a bit about your own personal journey. I'd just like to jump right into the questions. So sure. here we go with number one. When you were younger, did you think you would be doing what you do now? Absolutely not. Not even close. I went to school for radio television broadcasting uh and that was a mistake but (laughs) it was yeah but no I had no idea that I would be uh, doing what I'm doing now no not at all no lots of uh lots of uh strange and sometimes negative things happened to get me here um yeah job loss and stuff changed the career you know in my mid-30s and yeah that's how I got here but if you ask me in high school or even college or before that do you think you'd be here what you're doing now no absolutely not well how much do you feel your experiences from your youth whether it's from family environment where you lived uh started to shape your ideas about your goals and who you were as a person uh i don't think they really did um my parents were really easygoing with me and they never pushed anything on me. Religiously speaking, my father was kind of against religion. Uh, Mom's family was, a, they were Christians, uh, but they didn't attend church, whatever, whatever you want to call those types of Christians. <laughs> non-participating. <laughs> there you go, non-participating Christians. So yeah, I, um, no, I, my, I had a good family life. Uh, and it's when I left home that uh, life got a little bit difficult. But again, no, I don't think anything particularly at home led to what I'm doing now. 
even the public speaking stuff came way later. So no, very little of what I'm doing now goes back. From what I can tell, I'm sure if I looked really deeply into it, maybe I'd find the connections. But no, I don't. I don't think anything at home set me up for what I'm doing now. Yeah. So you can look back and think, wow, how did I get here? <laughs> yeah, I do that all the time. I look at my parents and uh, I never thought I looked like my parents at all until my father passed away. And now I look in the mirror, that's all I see. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe how much we look alike. It's very strange. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have what you would consider detours along your journey then? You mentioned like some job losses and things like that. And did you feel that when those came up, um, you wanted to fight against them? Or did you just kind of be one of those people that says, oh, well, here, I'll go down this way and try something different? I, yes, everything was a detour. <laughs> if, if, if you were to draw my road from high school to now, it would be all winding all over the place. Um, like I said, I went to school for radio and television broadcasting. That's what I wanted to do or thought I wanted to do. On the very last day of college, our, our uh, radio teacher basically said, good luck out there. There's no jobs. Oh, uh, and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. So the one thing I absolutely hated at school was advertising. So naturally, that's where I ended up. Uh, online advertising was a brand new thing in 1999. A friend of mine uh, who didn't even finish high school was already working there. And he was a genius. He was like... Uh, if you ever seen that Facebook movie, he reminds me of Mark Zuckerberg in that movie, just total genius. Anyway, he's like, Hey, come work with, for me. It'll be great. So I went there and ended up spending 13 years of my life in advertising. And I absolutely hated every moment of it. Every moment, um, gained weight, was very unhappy, uh, unhappy with myself, got into a, a really bad relationship as well. Um, so I was kind of going in this one direction for a very long time, just thinking, well, this is the, the, the cards I've been dealt. Um, I didn't really try and excel in high school. I didn't, if I had known I was going to be good at public speaking, I would have followed my mom's footsteps and become a teacher like yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, yeah, didn't have that at that, didn't have that ability at that time. Didn't think I could, I was too afraid of public speaking. So I kind of, so you were saying were the roadblocks? No, I kind of just went with the flow. And unfortunately, the flow was taking me into a job I hated <laughs> and everything else. Yeah. Um, and then what ended up happening after 13 years, online advertising became basically automated. Right. And when that happened, that was the end of the job. I knew the job was coming to an end for three years, but I stayed because I'd already been there for 10 years and knew that if I left, I'd be given the package. Right. So was it eight months, four months? I can't remember the exact amount, but literally months before I got married, finally in a relationship I was happy with, finally after losing some weight, that's when the company went under. So I spent my entire wedding absolutely worried. Can we afford this? Yeah. <laughs> Should we go to Paris for a honeymoon? Can we afford this? What am I going to do? I had no job. It's the only thing I knew for 13 years. Um, and so when we came back, my wife said, why don't you try doing what you love, which was music. And I'm like, I'm not going to make any money doing music. She said, no, 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 no. What about DJing? Why don't you go DJ weddings? That was something I was kind of doing on the side for a very long time. 
So I did that professionally for a while. And in the first year, I'm like, why am I back here doing this when I should be up there marrying people? I have that ability now. I have the public speaking ability. I have the desire. And so that's what I desperately wanted to do. And it took seven years to find an organization because I had no idea you had to belong to some spiritual organization or be a ship captain or a justice of the peace to marry people. <laughs> so, yeah. so I had talked to every officiant that I met when I was DJing these weddings and they're like, oh, Aaron, you'd be so good at this. You have the look, you have the voice, you're tall, you're good looking. You'd be so good at this. Great. How do I get to be, how, how do I get to be a, a, an officiant? Oh, no, I, I have no idea. I can't help you with that. No one wanted to share their inside secrets. Most of them told me that they grew up in the church. So that's just how they did it. Uh, and then one guy named Gary Francis said, well, what do you believe? And it just stopped me in my tracks. And I said, honestly, Gary, I do not know. I had already gone down the humanist path. I wasn't a big fan of them because their belief was that religion is kind of just stupid. And they literally said those words. And I'm like, that doesn't sit right with me, even though I wasn't a religious person. That's how I felt. Judgmental. Yeah. And I was like, well, I sing in an acapella group when we do Christmas concerts. Is that going to be an issue? Oh, yeah, you won't be able to do that anymore. I'm like, I'm not sure this is the right place for me. <laughs> I didn't like the fact that it was so restricting. And so Gary said, basically, Aaron, there's only one place for you. And if this place doesn't work out, you need to give up. And I didn't want to hear that. Uh, so that's when we I found the Bancroft Center. <laughs> and I remember writing to Rita why I wanted to, you know, I wanted to become a wedding officiant. This is what I want to do. Here's my police check. Here's all this stuff. Da, 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 da. Rita, of course, being the the uh, the president of or the, I don't know what she, her full title is, but she runs the organization. And uh, she basically said, well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> And I said, yep, we'll see how this goes. And then by the, by the second class, we had to do an assignment. And she said, uh, Aaron, can I talk to you separately for a second? This was all, it was all done on Zoom. I need, I need to talk to you after this class is over. And she told me that she read what I wrote and couldn't believe it was me. Mm. And she said, I think you're in the right place. By the fifth class, I told her, I don't even care if I become a wedding officiant now. This place has saved my life. This place has changed everything. So by becoming a wedding officiant, uh, that was the goal. Uh, and that happened. I, I still do weddings. But finding the Bancroft Center just changed everything. I, my anxiety went away. My understanding of how life works went away. Um, my... Uh, my health got a million times better. The only thing that was solid that entire time from 2005 onward was my current wife, my wife, my now mm -hmm. wife. She was my fiance then. Uh, that's the only thing that was solid. Uh, mm -hmm. But once I found Bancroft, it just felt like everything just, just came together. Uh, so I guess the path started as wanting to go to school for something I didn't even do to a terrible job, terrible relationship to being absolutely panic stricken about what I'm gonna do for money. Got into DJing, which was okay. I didn't hate it, I didn't love it. And then by be wanting to become a wedding officiant, found something that I wish I had found decades ago. 
Yeah. I think sometimes though, we do have to go through all of that to really appreciate what it is for lack of saying it any better. Our soul is looking for, because yeah. I know I believe we're, you know, we're spiritual beings having a human experience and, and, uh, but part of that is to learn how to evolve and we have to kind of go down those dark holes, maybe sometimes to uh, find our way out of it and find our place. You might not have been ready a few years ago, because you might have still been thinking, what's that got to do with me? You know, I don't have a need for that, right? I'm glad you said that. So one other uh, reverend minister with Bancroft is Michelle Scrimger Brown, and she's been my friend since grade nine. (laughs) Um, And I asked her, how she became ordained and how she did it. And she said, you're not ready. Mm-hmm. And I actually got really mad. I'm like, who the hell are you to tell me I'm not ready? What do you mean I'm not ready? She said, she said, trust me, this is not the place for you. You're not ready. Your mind is not open. You are not ready for this. I'm saying this to you as a friend. And I got really upset. And I'm like, well, is this ever going to happen for me? And then my father passed away. And that changed a lot of my life, uh, a lot of how I think about things actually mm-hmm. opened up a lot of things uh, I had learned before from previous um, what do I want to how do I want to say these previous uh, trauma I guess how to get the best out of that how to learn a lot from that and so I basically just went and did this and told Michelle well I've now joined this organization and I'm doing it anyway whether you like it or not she said great you're ready now yeah, I didn't understand what she meant until I actually went through the through the classes and everything else. Well, I know that's one thing with the center. It's it's more than just having the license to marry people. They yeah. you know, you're expected to like, what is it you believe in? And it's interesting since there's no dogma, <laughs> but yeah. it's uh, but it is it does open a lot. I know it did for me as well. So then I guess you've kind of answered this in a way too but maybe you want to add to it is what lessons have you learned along the way then especially from those tougher times Uh, i learned how to uh well the biggest thing i learned was where forgiveness comes from that it starts with yourself Mm -hmm. uh i learned that all of the drama and the bs and the walls and the relationship problems I was having with friends and family and everything else was all me. I was doing all of that because I felt like uh, life had dealt me a, a, a bad hand and I was just going to play it however I want. And when I, I learned that you make your own life, you decide whether you're happy or not. It's not, no one else is going to do that for you. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I think, uh, I just, I learned at Bancroft that there's just some really good people out there who just want to help. And uh, that changed everything. Like I said, it's, uh, I, again, I didn't even care what happened at that point. I felt like I'm home. I found the great, a great place. I found great people. This is where I want to be. This is what I needed to save me. So yeah, the lessons were that I need to do this for myself. No one else is going to do it for me. So would you say that then out of that negative time, that's what taught taught you that positive life lesson then is like believing in yourself like do you feel that was really important then to kind of I think it helped me get I think it helped me get there and then I needed Bancroft to (laughs) basically say you're the problem here (laughs) 
And they didn't say that, obviously, but through the lessons they taught and through the conversations that we had online in the classes and stuff, I realized, wow, this is mine to fix. This is my thing to do. And uh, it was uh, unusual because I was worried because my wife is not exactly a religious person. And I was worried, is this going to cause issues? It didn't. I thought it was going to cause issues with my family. It actually made things better. I've never had one friend of mine go, wow, you're, you're a minister now. Boy, you've really gone off the deep end. You know, there, was, <laughs> there, was, there was none of that. It was all very positive. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of the evolution there is, is uh, recognizing what your own truth is. And once you're, once you're um, strong in that, it, it doesn't matter. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to, uh, uh, you just be yourself and just evolve. So do you find joy in what you're currently doing then, inwardly feeling? How important is it to you at this moment in life to feel that way? Yes, it feels like I've started a whole new life and it's a good one. I have, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I have a fantastic relationship with my wife. I have a great home life. I live with my mother-in-law. We get along as much as she's a very anxious and angry person. We get along really well. Um, I'm making the best music I've ever made. Uh, I like my jobs. I, I, I love helping people. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely all been good. I have and my health's a lot better too. Like I said, I have uh, physical things going on and, and didn't realize how much of it's just stress related. Yeah. I would, don't, yeah. I really, I, I guess as much as I want to credit Bancroft a lot, it ended up being the readings that helped a lot too. Mm -hmm. uh, a New Earth by Eckhart Tolle really just changed my life completely. That book really like set, just made me realize all the things I was doing wrong. So it led to me reading, which I never did before. I'm actually educating myself. Something if I had done in high school, who knows where I'd be now as well, right? <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm reading, I'm, I'm invested in all of that. And um yeah, like it's, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a whole new me. Um, I used to think, oh, when I was in my teens, those are the best years of my life. And this little period of here was the best years of my life. And when I was singing with my acapella group, that was the best years of my life. And I realized, no, this is, and it has been for a while. It has been since I've uh, met Rita. Yeah. That's great. Well, your mind opens up, I think. Um, once you start to open your mind up and um, then you, you're more open to read. I know I've had books here that I can remember. I bought them and I started to read them. And I thought, I just don't get what this guy's talking about. And I'd set it down. And six months later, like for me, I was Deepak Chopra. I, I liked a lot oh. of his books yeah. and uh, I had listened to him speak on a, on a program one night. And I thought, gosh, that guy makes a lot of sense. If I only understood what he was talking about. And uh, <laughs> so I bought his books and I wasn't quite ready for them yet. And then I've, read a lot and then I was able to go actually in Toronto when he was there oh, quite a while ago now and um, for a weekend convention and, and listen to the whole Chopra Center thing and it really really resonated with me and I can remember part way through it my husband looked over at me and he says you could be doing this you know mm. and I said oh yeah right you know <laughs> but then it got me thinking you know I should be doing this you yeah. know so so you just never know what's going to trigger that and i think it's it's great that you followed it you know? i feel like i've been saying i feel like i've been saying oh i've been running this race and i finally won and i i want to i want to make sure i'm 
very clear on this. I feel like this is very much a beginning. Mm. Like when we're in the Wednesday night gatherings, the reason why I don't talk much is because I'm just listening and learning all the time. I feel like I'm that everyone else is light years ahead of me. And I'm just like some young kid in a, in a whole new school trying to learn everything. Um, I have not achieved any sort of goal, except that I'm happier. Uh, That's I'm, huge. Yeah, that I is still, huge. Yeah. I think sometimes just not, not knowing and just going maybe is the answer. So I guess that's into my next question is, is, do you feel it's important to have a willingness to bend your ideas and change things up at times? And if you asked me that before, I would have said, yes, you asked me that now. I don't know, because if I was, if my life has always been on track, if this is what I was always meant to do, then can I say those things I did in the past were a waste of time? Like, no, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah, I think just a willingness maybe to go with the flow, like even right now, you said you feel this is the beginning. So that means you're open then to what could come across your path. And, and I know for myself, when um, something comes up, instead of looking at it as uh, a bad experience, I may now look at it as okay, here's an experience, what positive thing can I take from this? Maybe it's the universe guiding me somewhere else that I need to be. I don't understand why or who I'm going to meet but I'll take it and I'll, and I'll just make the best of it. And it usually does work out. And so much of it is how our mind is, I was going to say twisted. Sometimes we need to be twisted. <laughs> well, I felt like, I felt like I was always letting go and letting life take me on its journey. Um, as I got towards the end of high school and realized I'm not really educated for anything uh, and ended up in a, in a job I hated. I felt like that that's where life led me. So again, I felt like, I guess I'm not supposed to have a fantastic life. Um, not realizing how absolutely privileged and how awesome my life was that entire time anyway, I only saw the negatives. So I feel like I've always followed the flow, but for some reason, something's changed, something's different. And I really can't put my finger on what's different this time. I think it's just your attitude's different because you, you, to me, you just said it there when you said when you were in high school, how you kind of looked at the negative this is what life's dealt me. This is what I'm going to be stuck with instead of thinking in a positive way where now you do it's, you know, you're entitled to have what you desire in life. You know that you can do better and you know, you have a good relationship and those things are possible, but we're negative. We draw into us, right? Whatever we put out there. So that's what I find with my lot of clients I deal with is they've allowed themselves to go down that spiral and they need sometimes a hand to help get them up out of it because they've hit bottom, <laughs> but it doesn't mean they got to stay there. It's a lot of drama. And I think that's, what's changed is that I don't, oh. I don't want the attention. I don't want the drama. No yeah. drama is something we, we need to get rid of <laughs> for sure. So what words of advice would you give your younger self, especially when you were going through those dark negative times? I won't say what I wrote to you. <laughs> You can if you want. I don't want you to get in trouble. No. With who? <laughs> I would say, um, I would say you have no idea what you're doing. Uh, I think the most important thing, and this kind of came up over Easter weekend, my nephews are at that age where they think they know everything. <laughs> and I think that's what I would really want to tell myself is you don't know anything. 
you think you know everything, you know nothing, and you, you, you never really are going to know much. Uh, so stop, stop thinking you know everything. Stop thinking you know better than everyone else. Give up the drama. Give up putting all the attention on yourself. And uh, just, yeah, live, live in the now. Stop dwelling in the past. Stop predicting the future. Just be here now. And, and like you said, just let, let go of the wheel a little bit. I mm-hmm. felt like I was following the flow, but I can guarantee you knowing what I went through that I was definitely, I had a grip on that steering wheel really tight for my own journey. Uh, so yeah, no, that's the most important thing is, you know, nothing. Well, I think, I guess that's part of our growing. Like as, as teenagers, we all go through that. We're in that <laughs> in-between stage between being a child and being an adult and you want to be have the same privileges and things as adults, but you don't quite want to give up being a kid and being looked after. And, and I think there is a lot, and now I really sound like an old fart (laughs) is, uh, um, is that I think, do think there's a lot of younger people, not all, but are feel very like, is there entitlement to things rather than earning them or working for it or respecting how much maybe their parents or grandparents have done so that they can have the things they have. And it's a big uh, eye opener when they have to go in the real world and fend for themselves. Uh, just that's never mind the emotional part of things. But, um, you know, we all go through through that and it's uh, we come out the other side somehow <laughs> one way or another. Well, it's a nearly impossible thing to avoid because when you are a child, you are the center of the universe because if you don't have people to take care of you, you'll simply die. Exactly. You you get used to that for a very long time and then you don't, yeah, like you said, when you get out there on your own and your parents have kind of pushed you out of the nest, uh, yeah, life can become very difficult very quickly. And especially in a city like Toronto where it's so Mm -hmm. expensive and so competitive, um, yeah. Although everything you just said made me realize that if I told my younger self <laughs> that I know nothing, I would have been like, what do you know? I know everything. <laughs> if I wouldn't have helped. Yeah. What do you know, you old? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Things were different, yeah. uh, but they aren't really like the, the everybody goes through the same thing. Mm. I remember talking with my mom about you know, things she went through when she grew up. Yeah, times were different as far as what was around, but the emotional part of it was still there. And I think, too, um, it's so important for the mind, body, and spirit. And if there is no kind of direction there, uh, the spirit is lacking. I think that's when our feeling of self-doubt and we don't feel worthy of things. So if we start things start going negative we don't have anything to bring us up out of that and and i mean they are finding now with research and stuff how important all of that is for our overall health you mentioned it yourself with your physical uh like i think it's 95 percent of of doctor visits are actually stress related to the physical ailments yeah. of the body so that's a lot that yeah. are that triggers it well, yeah i was stress eating i was 230 pounds at one point i'm 160 yeah. now say I could I didn't know you then so I couldn't yeah. imagine <laughs> it was uh it was I look like a different person yeah it was uh yeah it's uh, yeah anyway go ahead it's a whole is you probably feel like it was a whole other time 
It was. It it doesn't even. It, it sometimes I look at pictures and go, God, that happened. And it's funny because now I look at those pictures and I can actually see the unhappiness. I didn't mm -hmm. see it then. And it's funny because my uh, Michelle, who I mentioned earlier, uh, she was talking recently about how everyone wears their their trauma on their body. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I never really made that connection or thought about that before. And I look at the pictures now and go, oh my God, I can really see it. And again, I don't think I could have if I hadn't made some sort of major adjustment in my, in my life. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, me too. Who knows, so, I, who knows where I was going to be or le leading to or end up if I didn't. Well, it's always like we're going down that road and there we come to an intersection and we can turn right or left, right? So the choice is always up to us what we what we do. I'm super thankful that this happened before COVID because old Aaron would not have been very good during COVID. <laughs> no, I don't imagine. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Like, yeah. and you can appreciate though, how other people feel, right? Exactly. That are having a rough time. Yeah. So is there a footprint you'd like to leave for your family or communities? Like if hundred years from now, someone <laughs> brings up your name, what they associate with it? No, I don't. Uh, I think that old Aaron would love that. I think it's a very, it's tricky ground because mm -hmm. of, yes, I want people to remember me for this and this and this. I think it's very egotistical and that kind of goes against what I'm trying to be about now. Um, like I said to you and when you asked me these questions before, I, I, if I could leave some some music behind uh you know i've been doing that people like it great um i've been writing uh prayers um if i can leave those behind people get use out of them great but do i necessarily want to aim for something that i want to leave behind and people remember for it no i don't think that that goes against what i'm what i believe now mm -hmm. uh, you know if you end up doing so if people remember you for doing something great because it just happened to be that way, that's fantastic. Aiming to do so, aiming to leave some kind of footprint. No, I don't think that that makes sense. No. So if you're doing it, then um, just because that's who you are. Yeah. So, yeah. I know I like for myself, I kind of think I, I hope that when that time comes, if someone they'll either go who, if they don't have a clue who I am, or if they think of me, I hope they tell oh, she was a kind person. I think it'd right. be really nice to be known as being a kind person. So um, I think that would be nice. Yeah, to be remembered in a positive way. And like I said, I think there's a chance of that. Now there was definitely a time where that would have been the opposite. Yeah, he, was a to... he was a selfish prick. And <laughs> that's all you get good that's all there is to that, eh? yeah good rinse to bad rubbish <laughs> <laughs> well well you certainly aren't now and so i'm <laughs> you're great the way you are <laughs> thank you uh well um before uh, we close here aaron i would just uh if people want to learn more about you or if there's uh, any of your music you'd like to share is there some way that they can reach out and find you sure um i mean yeah, I guess musically speaking, uh, midnight-arcade.com is me. Uh, I have other th things out there, but that's that's the one that was important to me. That's the thing I accomplished during COVID. And that's the thing where I can hear 
all the good stuff that was going on coming out of my music. Um, if you want to learn more about me as a person, there is the trueceremonies.com. It's more of a, if you want to be married kind of thing. Uh, but my, I have a bit of a bio there. Uh, and I am the secretary for the Bancroft Center. So I have a bio, uh, which you read earlier. <laughs> I have a bio on there too. Um, but yeah, I think guess the best way to reach me is, is uh, Facebook too. I'm like the only Aaron Millick. But yeah, my, my music is important to me and that's something I am proud of. So midnight-arcade.com is, is a good way to kind of experience what, what came out of me during COVID and, and what's changed in my life. Yeah, that, That's perfect. Thank you so much. So I will have those listed in the notes in the podcast as well. So people can find those links. So thank you, Aaron, for being my guest today. Thank you for and, having me. And it was great talking to you. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you to all our listeners today, and I would love to hear from you. Please feel free to send any comments to mindfuljourney.ca, and of course, feel free to share this podcast. I am Reverend Janice Chrysler, leaving you today with this blessing, until our paths cross again. May we always be mindful of our own life's journey, never taking it for granted. May our eyes always admire the beauty in the sunrises and the sunsets, the starry night sky, the trees in autumn, and the snowy fields in winter. May our ears always hear the songs of the birds in spring, the rustling of the leaves as we walk through the woods, the sound of the river as it passes us by, and the laughter of children. May we feel the warmth of the sun, the energy of the moon, the softness of the grass beneath our feet, and above all, may we always feel the unconditional love of the Creator surround us and flow through us. And may we be ever thankful for those who have shared their lives with us. During those times when we find it hard to understand the why things happen, may we be open enough to embrace them, strong enough to learn from them, and loving enough to share with others what we have learned. May love, light, and healing envelop us all, and as we continue our travels with the understanding that life is a journey, detours included. <laughs>